I want to read a, a poem written, uh, a pro, it's a poem or a spiritual ode by Brother Hagin. Doubt and fear. Doubt and fear are two tormenting twins of the enemy down here. They're sent to harass and rob you of God's blessings, but faith and love come from above. Faith and love, for faith works by love, and faith working by love will give you victory in every circumstance, will give you deliverance out of every problem. Faith and love sent from heaven above, faith and love born of your spirit is regenerated and born again. The love of God is shed abroad in your spirit, faith rising out of the word upon which you meditate and think. So cast aside doubt and fear, for they have no place in you. And as you walk down here, for he has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So cast away doubt and fear, and you will pull off your old coat or cloak and throw it to one side. You will rise up and walk in love and act in faith, and all the heavenly blessings from above shall be at your disposal. For in his great plan you'll enjoy the ble- and enjoy his blessings as you walk in this climb, and you'll also rejoice and be glad, and you'll see this is the day and this is the hour and this is your time. I asked the Lord the other day what he wanted me to preach on because every once in a while, you know, I have my ideas, but I want to know what he thinks. What do you all think about that? Is that a good idea? And he said, why don't you ask him a question? And I'm going to right now. And there's no wrong answers as I ask this, and I do want a little bit of feedback. What are you afraid of? Hmm? Heights? What are you all afraid of? What are things that, that create fear? Or anxiety, or like, mm, don't want to know if I want to do that. <laughs> How many of y'all are afraid of coming up here and talking? I can bring you up here right now if you're not. <laughs> Losing a parent? What about the IRS? You afraid of the IRS? No, don't be afraid of them. Well, that's a good question. There's no wrong answers, but I think everybody in this room, all of us have had times when we've had to deal with fear. And I wrote it in my pastor's notes, and we're going to talk about dealing with fear, and I'm going to make some statements. Do you realize that you don't have to? Now, I didn't say that you would never be tempted because, but I'm going to show you what fear is and where it came from and how to handle it. Because every one of us have times that we look right straight in the eyes of fear and go, oh my God, what am I going to do about that? And it's good to know from the word what to do about it because you do not have to live in fear at all. And so in 2 Corinthians 1, 7, let's just read this. We're going to take our time tonight and go over it slowly because, because there's actually times that fear is going to try to control you. What about the future? What about the next elections? What about the economy? What about the Antichrist? What about the rapture? When's it going to take place? There's all kinds of things. What about, what about doctor's reports? What about, what about dying early? There's all kinds of things that people are afraid of. And Satan would use them to bind you up and mess you up. So let's start with this one because this is a scripture that set me free when I found it. 2 Corinthians 1, 7 says, God has not given us a 2 Timothy 1, 7. Did I say one? Oh, okay. Well, then I made, I've already, that's one mistake this year. (laughs) 
Aren't you glad I'm not afraid of y'all? <laughs> Up until now, y'all thought I was perfect. Now you know I'm just like you. Look at this. God did not give us a what? When I first read that, that's when the Lord started teaching me that fear is a spirit. Now, I used to, right after I got born again, I had things that caused me to be afraid. And I thought, it's me. But when the Bible says God didn't give you a spirit of fear, once you start learning who you are in Christ and what belongs to you in Christ, that you're a new creation, you do not have the ability to produce fear out of your spirit. Now think about that for a minute. When you say, oh my God, I was so afraid. You're in the presence of a spirit. It's not you producing it. And once you learn this, then you realize, wait a minute, if this is a spirit and not me, I can resist this thing and he, it will flee. Am I right? So what that does is that puts a whole new slant on fear that causes when your knees get weak and you start worrying, you break out in a sweat and you're going, rather than going, oh, I'm so afraid. That's not, no, that's not you being afraid. Because I'm going to show you where it comes from in a minute and I'm going to show you how to handle it and why you don't ever have to have it at all. So when it says he hadn't given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, that means you're not as screwy up there as you think you are. Actually smarter than you think. I wish I had time tonight. We'd go in the difference between your brain and your mind. You have the mind of Christ, but you don't necessarily have the brain of Christ. You got to use the mind of Christ and do something with your brain. Your brain stays in the box when you die. Your mind goes with you. Aren't you glad? Because all that dumb stays here. You want to put on your tombstone, I sure was dumb till I died. <laughs> That's supposed to be funny. That was it. I have to get me a box back there and a button where I can can laughter like on the old uh, Lucille Ball show, you know, canned hallelujahs. So if it says God didn't give you a spirit of fear, he's telling us the truth. So once I realized that, I realized that the things that I was experiencing that I would have said that scares me or I'm afraid of that, I realize that's not true because I, Daryl Morgan, am a spirit and I am not afraid of anything. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. Now that does not mean that I've never been tempted to fear. Now the, the Greek word for fear means to flee. So really all fear is, is when you run. That's all that it is. Being afraid is not fear. Acting is fear. I read a book by a rabbi and this week, and he said that there's no Hebrew word for leadership. Not in the Bible anywhere. He said leadership's not a noun, it's a verb. You're not a leader till you act. It's not, it's not something you are, it's something you do. If you're not doing anything, you're not leading. I thought, well, that's pretty good. Well, see, fear is the exact same way. You haven't accepted fear until you decided to run and quit and say, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. That's what 
the Spirit is trying to get you to do is to stop and quit and turn around and go back and not keep going the direction God told you to go. That's the design of fear. So what is fear? Now, go with me to, um, well, I don't have, yeah, I do. Genesis chapter 3. It is, it's amazing when you learn to conquer fear and it no longer controls you. I'm going to tell you something. When it happens to you, you're going to pinch yourself because you're going to start asking, shouldn't I be worried? And, and, And you'll get to the place where you just don't worry about stuff. And you're thinking, this is pretty big and. There must be something wrong with me because this isn't bothering me at all. Amen. As a matter of fact, sometimes you find yourself laughing. Mm-hmm. I got laid off a job one time, um, big, prestigious job in Winter Park. Philip Crosby and Associates. They trained the most important people in America, like five-star generals and heads of IBM and AT&T, and everybody came down. And so they called me in one day and laid me off. And he says, and they were, they, they acted like it was a funeral. It was really funny. Uh-huh. I thought they were going to turn, I thought they were going to bring a violin in there. <laughs> and they were, they were acting like they were crying and they're all so upset. That's, they, they're not. <laughs> and they said, we're laying you off. And I said, okay. He said, I think you misunderstood. <laughs> I said, no, I'm getting fired. <laughs> he said, oh, no, we're not firing you. I said, okay, lay off. They went through some financial difficulties. And, you know, I think it had something to do with witnessing to all of the big dogs about Jesus. When they asked me where the girly clubs were and I suggested a good church, mine had something to do with me being laid off. Do you think? I think life is fun. So anyway, he laid me off, and he says, do you want us to help you get a job? And I thought, well, your business is not doing very good. I don't think I need your help. You know, I didn't say that. And I looked, and I says, ah, uh, no, you know, because I knew God sent me here, and God had a plan for my life. And, and I, you know, and I said, no, I'll be fine. And I went home, and I thought, I don't have a job. Should I be worried? And I, really, I just thought, I should worry. But I couldn't possibly bring myself to do it at all. I just couldn't muster it up. And so that night I had the youth group over in my house and I was preaching to the teenagers and the phone rang and a guy called and said, hey, Morgan, I heard you got fired. And I said, well, that's what they told me. I got laid off. He says, well, I'll see you in the morning. I need someone. I said, I had a job the next morning, you know. It's just something about when you know God loves you. And we'll get into that. It just don't seem to, things just don't scare you. As like they used, things used to be scary. The world used to be scary. And, and later you just find out he's, he's done a pretty good job all this time, even without me. I think he can handle one job loss, amen? So, so anyway, in the book of Genesis, let's find out where fear came from. Um, Genesis 3.16, I think, oh, no, no, no. See, I'm not doing good at all. Six, three, six. I got 16 on the paper. Did I say six up there? No, they did it right. I'm just, I'm doing real good tonight, aren't I? 
Second mistake this year. Three strikes and I'm going to have to sit down, right? Is that right? You don't scare me. <laughs> Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, notice it really was good for food. And it was pleasant to the eyes, and it was. And a tree that would make you wise, and it was. She took its fruit and ate, and she gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, we understand, and I know you don't, I, may, I know you may not believe this. I don't believe this was literally a fruit tree. I know that may shock you. When the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, is he talking about a tree? No. no. When he talks about the Christian bearing fruit, people being born again, is he talking about a tree? No. I think whatever it was going on here, and it may have been a tree for all I know, but it, whatever it was, it was the fact that he didn't want God to be over him anymore. When you're under authority, authority means somebody's got the right to tell you what to do. That's what being a Christian is. That's the, that's the issue that separates you from what we call sinners. It's not believing in Jesus or believing in God. The world, the devil believes in Jesus. That's why you have a lot of family that goes, I'm a Christian, and then never go to church. And we have to wonder, are they Christians? Okay. So when the woman saw this tree was good for food, pleasant in the eyes, to make you wise, she took the fruit and ate, and her husband, and he ate. Now let me come around here because I need to read before I mess up again. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? Now understand, he knows where he is. He's not looking for Adam. Okay. And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was what? I was afraid. Now, that was God's first indication that Adam had sinned. Because fear is perverted faith. See, there, you can't be in faith and in fear at the same time. There, you can't be go walking east and walking west at all. You're, you can't do that. So you cannot serve God afraid. That's a big deal. So the opposite of fear is faith. So we hear a lot about faith in God, but, but when you're in faith... Faith is a confident expectation that something good is going to happen to me. And fear is, um, is a confident expectation that ain't nothing going to go right. Yet, so, so both of them, so faith really is, fear really is faith in a lie. Does that help you? See, so when, so when I make a statement and say, you don't have to be in fear, you're thinking, well, you're telling me that I never have those feelings come on me. Now, that's not what I said. I'm not talking about the feeling that you get when you're walking up on a tightrope and you're looking down in a canyon below you and you're going, I'm, the pastor said I don't have a spirit of fear, but I, I really do right now, you know? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But all, all fear is, is faith in a lie. So if you get the truth, you've conquered the fear. Are you born again? No fear of dying. That got, see, you eliminated the fear of dying with the truth 
that you're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, is the gift of God. Now, the world's afraid of dying, but Christians are not afraid of dying, so that, that eliminates the major fears. Are y'all out there? This is pretty good. So, so the more f- truth you have, the, the less you're going to w- have to worry about fear at all. All right. Now, let's go to another one, Matthew 14. I remembered one year, um, it was Joyce Myers that said it. She said, if you face fear, go ahead and do what you know is right and do it afraid. Is that fear? No. No, because acting on faith, even though you have a feeling of fear, is not fear. Fear means to flee. See, fear would be I'm not doing it. All right, let me give you an example of this. Whatever it is that you're dealing with right now that creates fear in you, you need to face it. Now, I know people who own businesses, and they say, I don't like confrontation. Can I tell you how to overcome it? Confront. You're going to have to learn to talk to people who don't agree with you. You can't live your life afraid someone won't like you or someone, because that puts you in bondage. And we're going to look in a minute that fear creates a bondage. Now, now just listen to me, because I know that you didn't like me saying that. You're going to have to face the things that create fear in you. You must face them. See, the armies of Israel would not face Goliath, but David did. The worst thing that's going to happen to you is that you die. Amen. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm going to give you some scriptures on this. Now, I'm going to go back over the story about me because my, my biggest fear growing up, the, the thing that scared me more than anything on this planet was standing in front of people and talking. Now, I know you look at me and go, you're lying. No, so help me God, I'm not. I would lock up. My teacher asked me to spell if, and I said F high. I couldn't even think in front of all those kids looking at me, and I sat down and vowed to never talk again. That was, that was, that was actually after the word sale, but that I quit talking. But when I went to Bible school, It kind of dawned on me that if I'm going to preach, I'm going to be in front of people. And it, and it, it, listen, and it terrified me to do it, to stand up and talk. What if I say something stupid? Like I did twice. So when the teacher said, who would like to speak? I was one of the first ones that raised my hand and I said, I will. Was I afraid? Yes. But I'm going to have to face this someday. I'm going to have to believe that if God called me, there's a gift inside of me. See, you have a gift in you and it's not going to ever work until you put it to work. And so I went home and you've heard me tell this a hundred times. I worked all week to speak for five minutes and I only came up with enough information to speak for four minutes and 30 seconds. And it took me the rest of the week 
of standing at home with Ashley's um, jump rope as a microphone, pretending like I'm talking to people and say something for four minutes and 30 seconds. It just slap terrified me. And I remember the day that I woke up in a cold sweat and this was the day that I was going to have to stand in front of people and talk. And I came up with all of my notes and I had read them hundreds and hundreds of times. It didn't mean I know it because when I get up here and you're afraid, you just freeze. Oh, and I started reading and finally it just got a little easier and I, and it, and it came out and I, and I, and I just stood up and I spoke and uh, I spoke and then I thought, well, I'm done. And they have these signs in the back, tell you when you quit. And most people go five, six, seven, eight, ten. They finally have to get them up and drag them out of the room and they're screaming, no, but I have more to preach and y'all are all going to hell unless I get you saved. And they, so they have to drag mo They didn't me. They just, I just sat down. Well, my teacher was Dr. Poinsett, and he worked at uh, ORU. And um, so at the end of the class, there's like five of us in a class, and he's going to critique our speech. It wasn't a sermon. It was a speech. And so he, um, he, he gets us all, sits down, says, close the door. I don't want you all to hear what I'm going to say to these guys. And, and so... Um, so he looks at the first one and says, oh, you did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. And, he, and they said, okay. And he, they're begging notes. And he said, now you changed this and you changed that. And then they got up and left. And he went to the second one. And when he turned, the last one, he said, y'all close the door. I'm going to talk to Mr. Morgan alone. Uh -oh. I'm like, oh God, I'm going to hell. <laughs> I mean, serious. <laughs> and when they closed the door, he looked at me and he said, there's a question on the test, but I want you to give me the answer to this question right now. Is there a natural born speaker? According to my test, I said, no, sir. And he says, that's the correct answer. He said, but if there is one son, it's you. I went, what? He said, I got so interested in what you were saying, I forgot to grade you. He said, I wanted you to keep going. He said, you have a gift from God. Now, well, I never would have known that if I hadn't faced my fear. Now, I'm going to tell you what I did next in case you all want to know. I went, to the, I went down to the city jail and started preaching. Nobody ever left. I figured I got to find people who really don't care, and I'll never see them again if I bomb. And so I learned to preach in Saturday morning detox center in Tulsa City Jail. I would get down there and preach on, on the ark, on, the, on Noah's ark, and the people got in it, and that was the blood of Jesus, and give an altar call, and, and guys got saved. And it was fun. And I started going to Horace Mann Rehabilitation Center and preaching to the, to the guys in there. On the, in the, it was a halfway house. McAllister State Penitentiary. And so I just love these guys who were all locked up and couldn't leave. And then after that, then I came here and started t preaching to youth. And so you just, you know, you, if you have a gift, you got to develop it. But what if, I had, what if I had not stepped out? Now, I said that to you because there's things that you deal with. It, you've got to face it and go ahead and just begin. You say, well, I'm afraid to witness 
Just start. I can tell you, you're going to bomb. But just begin. Just, you know, every, I, I would witness and they'd ask me questions and I'd go, I don't have any idea. <laughs> I'll go find out. And all of that study and I became a pastor. And just started learning how to answer everybody's questions when I was out on the streets talking to people. And so, you know, that's just something that I started doing, but I had to overcome that. And I want to tell you about one more before we go on. Uh, who was it said they're afraid of hikes? I was so afraid of hikes that I, when, I worked, when I went to work with, with Gary and Don, the scaffolding for a house is four feet tall. I didn't walk on it. I got on my knees. I was deathly afraid to get up there on the top of this black thing and walk down it. I was just, it would terrify me. And I would get up there like an idiot on my knees and scoot blocks around like a kid. And I'm a 30-year-old adult. But I had to work, so I did it. Well, when I quit working for, Weber, for, for Nehemiah Masonry, I went to work for Weber and Tucker, and their scaffolds were six feet tall. And it didn't get any better. And, it, and then one day I came to work, and they put another scaffold on top of that one and made it 12. And I got up there. And I'm going to tell you something. I was scared then. And then 48. And I remembered one time I was down on I-Drive and I was doing an elevator shaft and Lisa drove up. I couldn't even see it was, she, it was her. I had to bend 40, 50 feet in the air, standing in the elevator shaft, looking right over in the edge of the world, laying block, still afraid. Are y'all out there? Boy, y'all look like y'all scared. But I began to conquer it. I got to the place to where it, it, it got to where it just didn't bother me that much. I, I was cautious. I didn't jump around like an idiot. But I will tell you this. It's funny. I was working on a building in Sanford. And an iron worker came walking across the roof on a four-inch piece of metal and walked up to me. I'm standing on a scaffold with boards two feet wide. Now, my scaffold wiggles. It moves. And he stood there and said, I ain't getting on that. That's scary. <laughs> and I looked at his four-inch beam and I said, I ain't getting on that. <laughs> and he turned around and walked off. He said, I'm not climbing down your scaffold. That thing's moving. He said, my beam ain't moving. I said, yours is too small. And I never did get to walking across no four-inch beam 25 feet in the air. But, you know, God didn't call me to, so I just didn't do it. You know, there is a scripture that says, lo, I'll be with you always. You think about it a while, you'll get it. <laughs> I got to move on. 1422, immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go to the, before him the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And now evening was come and he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. Now the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw it walking on the sea, they trembled. They were troubled and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out for what? Fear. I'm going to show you why in a minute. Immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. It's I. 
do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter came out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And he saw the wind was boisterous and he was afraid. And he began to sink and he cried and said, Lord, save me. What happened to his faith? He perverted it. His faith, he took his eyes off of Jesus. We know the story. He had faith in what Jesus said, but he got his eyes off of what Jesus said and onto the circumstances, and that created fear. Now, now listen, we all know this, and you know it, but you, we just need to hear it again. The fear you're dealing with is primarily because you're looking at the problem. It's not that the, the problem's there. You can't walk on the water on a good day, much less a bad day. You just can't walk on the water at all. What you're doing walking with God is impossible. It's not that it's okay the days you feel good. It's not, it's impossible the days you feel good or bad. You're doing something impossible all the time. Did you know the praying in tongues is impossible? It's impossible. <laughs> but you do it. All right. So, so he began to sink because he got his eyes off of Jesus. Now, you notice he said, don't be afraid, but you also notice that Peter's not born again. Peter was experiencing fear coming right out of the inside of him, but you don't. You and I don't have to have that. So, the more the words you have and the more you're focused on what he said to you, the less fear you're going to deal with in life. Your fear is actually produced because what you're doing is attracting the devil instead of attracting God because you're looking, talking, and thinking about the problem. Well, you can stop thinking about the problem and start thinking about what God said. That's a choice, guys. It's nothing but a choice. Now, I realized that when I went to work for um, Weber and Tucker and I'm climbing up on a, on a you know, a 48 foot scaffold in the air, walking around building buildings. I had the feelings of fear, but I got Psalm 91 and I would quote it and Psalm 23 and I, and I would just quote the word and get my eyes on that. And I says, hey, I will live and not die with long life. He'll satisfy me. His, I give his angels charge over me. And that's what I would keep my focus on as I took my bucket and climbed up 40 something feet with my body sweating. Like, oh, my God, you're going to die. You know you're going to die. You're going to slip and fall and die. Now, actually, I did fall off of a 12 or a 14-foot scaffold one time. Hauled me off to the hospital. I landed on a pile of boards. I hit the, the, um, the, the board coming down. I hit on my jaw, ripped my jawbone open. And it flipped me over, and all the blocks landed on my body. And, and, and when I came, when I stood up, I was out of breath, and I was I thought I was spitting blood, and I thought I was dying, so I just stood there and waited for Jesus to come get me. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you this, I wasn't afraid. Even though I had just fallen off a scaffold, and all of the boards and blocks and everything fell down on top of my head. They hauled me off to the hospital. They Honestly, I had to prove to them I was white. I mean, I'm not teasing you. They put me down as a colored boy. And, um, and I said, no, I'm, I'm Caucasian. They said, no. I had to pull my little britches. And I said, they went, oh, my God, you are white. So, um, but I got, I went into, I got to tell you this, this is funny. I went into shock. 
you know, something about falling from those hikes and landing on concrete and all the rocks, I had gone into shock, and I didn't know what that was. And uh, the guys were talking about the talking trash about doctors and hospitals. And so I walked up, and they started asking me my name and all that. And I'm telling you, they're asking me questions, and I'm having a hard time answering them. What's your name? And I'm going, uh, if you've never been in shock, it's hard to imagine that you, your brain just isn't working. And so finally the lady looked at me. She said, Mr. Morgan, would you come back? And I went, tomorrow? <laughs> she goes, no, to the room back here. And I kept, um, you know, um, they kept looking at my face because I didn't know my face was opened up. And I kept showing them my thumb. And she said, don't worry about your thumb, son, your face. And I looked in there, and I'm like, you can see my jawbone. I went, oh, my God, that's terrible, you know. So they sewed me up. You can't see it today. Isn't that good? I thought I was going to look like, um, what's the pirate of the Caribbean? What's that drunk guy? Y'all, Johnny Depp. I thought I was going to look like Morgan the Pirate or something after that. Uh-oh. Jack Sparrow. I knew Lisa would know. But they sewed me up, and I did real good, but... But honestly, that didn't affect me. I never, I, 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 I actually conquered the fear of heights. I've never conquered the fear of being smart. I do, I am cautious when I'm up on top of a 40-something field building walking down a wall. I don't jump around in, in the Holy Ghost. All right. So go to Hebrews chapter 2, and I'm going to show you what fear is. And this is going to help you. This is going to help you for the rest of your life. This is going to answer a lot of questions for you right now. And I'm going to, right now I'm going to start showing you how to actually conquer fear. And this is so cool when I found this. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Insomuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that's the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. Fear is self-preservation. Now think about what I just said because I just answered a massive question. Fear is self-preservation. What am I going to do? People who don't tithe, and there may be some of y'all in the room right now, the reason you don't is because you're afraid you won't have enough money. You're ruled by a spirit of fear. God didn't lie about it, but you're going to have to find a scripture and act on it in fear to, to conquer it. But what is it for? Why do, why do people have a problem with tithing? Because what am I going to do if I give the money away and I don't have any? I'll get hungry. So you have become Lord. The reason you're trusting him when you die because there's nothing you can do about it. You don't have, you know, asbestos suit is not going to work. So you have no choice in that matter. But where you have a choice, you're, you, all of the fears you're facing is you trying to fix your problem your way. 
pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. Now, I said this one time, and I'm going to tell you, when I started tithing, you know why it was easy for me? I was already broke. You know, whenever you ha don't have enough money to send all the doctors you owe, five, five bucks, you might as well give it to God. You can't get, I mean, I was so, so supernaturally broke, I just added God to the bottom of two size, legal size sheets of paper of people I owed money to. So it really wasn't difficult giving God when you have nothing. I'll tell you when it's hard is when someone hands you $10,000 and you're going to tithe off of it. And people always go, well, when I get my, when my boat comes in, you're not going to tithe when your boat comes in because you're going to look at $100,000 and you're going to go, I ain't about to give that much money away. It scared you 10, 100 scared you 100,000. You ain't even going to get near touching that. So you see, if you're not faithful in a little, you're not ever going to be faithful in anything. But now all fear is, is self-preservation. So why was I afraid to walk across that beam? Afraid I'd fall and, and die? Well, now here's the issue. Did God say to go to work? Yes. Did my boss tell me to climb the scaffold? Yes. Did he tell me to walk across that beam? No. Stay off it. I'm, I'm just not going to get out beyond what God told me to do. If God told you to do it, then you don't have anything to be afraid of. Now he's responsible. He told you to tithe, tithe. But he didn't tell you to give your car away. So keep it. Because it's probably not going to get another one. You're going to walk. I know because I've seen people do that, thinking that they gave a car away, God gave them a Mercedes, and they just got a bicycle. So all fear is, is self-preservation. What happened to Peter the night that they said, you're one of his? And he cussed and denied knowing Jesus. Why did he do that? He was afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid of dying. I want to die. Now, let me give you a revelation. You're going to die. <laughs> and anything you can do about it, you are going to die. Someday you're going to die. Now, here's my philosophy. If you don't live for God, you might as well be dead now. Your whole life's wasted anyway. So why in the world are you going to live on this earth miserable because you're disobeying God and afraid to live for him? That's not intelligent, is it? So when he asks you to do something, see, when we preach on consecration, let me tell you something. It gets quiet because everyone's afraid. Oh, God will send me to India. I'm not about to walk up there and say, I'll go anywhere. You say, go and do anything. Now, all the teenagers do because they want to get out of the house. <laughs> I'm going to tell you another story right now because I have faced fear. When I, when I got born again, I mean, I gave everything to God. I just gave it all to God, and I was excited to give it all to God. But everything didn't work out the way I thought it would. When I came here to Orlando, I went through a divorce. I could not get my ex-wife to live for God. That was not easy to go through, guys. And through that, I got the kids for a year. And then my ex came and took them. 
The church I was a part of asked me to step down. That was Tom Copeland. He has since come back and, and said, listen, I think I treated you wrong. Apologize, Lisa and I. And he now sits on the board of this church and we're friends. But I say that to you, but to let you know, um, um, Tom was raised church of God and you just can't be divorced. You know, and, they, and, the, and people thought that I should keep that marriage going no matter what. Well, li- you, listen, then, then Jesus, Jesus should have kept Judas no matter what. Right? Folks, the Bible says when they leave, let them go. You Goodbye. I'm, and he called you to peace. And baby, it was peaceful. Okay? But I'm going to tell you right now, that affects you when you have given God everything and after you've served him with all your heart and you end up with nothing, yeah. you're starting to question, this is not exactly what is supposed to be happening. I'm not supposed to graduate from Bible school, serve God with all of my heart, and end up with no wife, no kids, no money, no job, no friends. I, th- I, think, I think sometimes we don't tell people that, you know, in, in this world, you will have tribulation. If you're obeying God, there's a devil going to try to stop you. And I look around this church and I see people going through trouble and they act like, oh, God, where did you go? Hey, listen, he told you it was going to happen. That's not the time to flee and get full of fear and quit. But, but I got me a job and got married to Lisa. And, and, and God asked me one day, when are you going to do what I want you to do? And I said, well, I want you to tell me what it is first. I wasn't about to jump back on the bandwagon with him right anytime soon. I went through this with you once. Now, don't get mad at me. But I, 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 I just, I stonewalled God. I, I put the brakes on him. I'm not doing what you asked me to do. It cost me too much to, to live for you. Are y'all out there? Or are you going? I'm being serious with you. And I was miserable for two years, miserable. I worked every day, had enough money to eat that week, went broke, worked another week, hoped it didn't rain. I went to work, hated work, hated coming home, hated church, hated Monday, hated Tuesday, hated Wednesday. When you're, when you're out of the will of God, you're just, a, you're just a miserable human being. You know that. But I was also, so one day God came in my little blue pickup truck and I'm driving down Overland Road. And he said, when are you going to do what I want you to do? I mean, my truck filled up with the glory of God. He said, when are you going to do what I want you to do? I said, God, what do you want me to do? He said, I'm not going to tell you. I said, well, I'm not going to do it. I mean, we're having a little argument here. And he said, why not? And I, and I stopped and I said, God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid you're going to ask me to leave my wife and travel. And I won't ever see my wife and kids. I lost a wife, God. I lost children once, God. And I'm afraid what you're going to ask me to do. And he said, I want you to trust me. And I'm going to tell you something. I cried like, I bawled like a baby. You know, you know there's times you cry out of your guts. And I, I leaned over my steering wheel that day and I just wept my guts out. And I made an altar out of that little blue steering wheel and I separated myself to God and I said, I will trust you and I will do what you asked me to do. 
I had to face the fear. And he still didn't tell me. He wants you to trust him. So right after that, I started flying to the Bahamas once a month, once a week, every month. I thought, this is good. And when I was in Haiti, he said, take the, that church in, in Apopka. And I went, mm-mm. <laughs> now, why didn't I want to? I was afraid of my personality. You, y'all guys are enjoying me now, but I've been doing this 30 years. Ask Betty and Sandy and anyone else that prayed me through those first five years. Because I pastored like I ran a construction crew. Sit down and shut your mouth. Open your Bibles. And if you didn't read your Bible, just get them and go home. You know, ugly thing. You and <laughs> I was just rough. As I wasn't quite that bad, but I was pretty bad. I was pretty rough. And, 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 and Christians would make me mad and I'd tell them. I'm just, you sorry, ugly thing, you. I got up in front of the whole church one time because they, you know, all the men on the board, the pastor before me ran off with a good amount of money and they wanted to make sure I didn't steal their money. And one day I came in, I said, y'all are the biggest bunch of crooks I've ever met in my whole life. You take your tithe and put it in this end and catch it at the end and take it back. And I said, you hadn't even given anything to God. All of y'all are the, you think I'm a crook? Y'all are the biggest bunch of crooks on the planet. That was my sermon. And I went home that night. I went home that morning and God said, go back and repent. I said, God, I'm afraid. He said, I don't care. Go back and repent. You, that, was, you, that was not right. <laughs> and so uh, I learned. I grew. And I have never done that again. <laughs> well, y'all out there, did you go home? See? And see, some, one of the things that scared me was that I know I'm a double D. I know I have a double D personality. I didn't stop being a man because I became a pastor. I didn't stop riding motorcycles and shooting guns and hunting and fishing and just because, you know, I watched the Princess Bride and I don't know anything about that guy. Now it's, I'll whoop him. <laughs> Cast the devil out of that guy. And <laughs> when people would come in and go, you should be a lot more like Joel Osteen. I'd say, well, why don't you just sit down and shut up? Because <laughs> I ain't Joel Osteen. And now I've gotten over it, but thank God for Betty. And Sandy and Jill Yensginski and Barbara Neff. And they had some prayer meetings. Oh, God, do something with him. <laughs> and so we get to heaven and Betty gets all the rewards. You'll sit there and go, now we know the real reason. that. Okay. But see, I told you all that because I faced fears. And all of us in this room face fear. But whatever you're afraid of, God's going to turn you around and bring you right back up to that spot and make you face it again. He's not going to let you get away with, I don't want to do that. Well, you don't want to do that, but you can come around this mountain and come right back up here again. And we're going to stay right here, honey, until you deal with this thing I'm asking you to deal with. I don't care if it scares you. You ever notice people say, every church I go to, all they're talking about is tithe. That's a lie. That's all God's talking to you about. <laughs> Then another person comes in and says, all y'all preach on is consecration. All y'all preach on. No, we don't. That's all God's talking to you about. 
You're hearing that everywhere you go because God's got you. He's bringing you back around. Let's talk about your consecration one more time. Whatever it is you're avoiding, that's what you're hearing all the time. You get to walk out of church, turn on the TV, and they're talking about consecration. They turned up bonanza, and he's talking about consecration. <laughs> faith in God, faith is, is God's presence. Faith is trusting God to preserve you. That's all faith is. When I, when, when I bowed over the steering wheel, I said, God, you got it. Now, here's the good news about it. Listen, when I started pastoring, I, I was not afraid of what would happen to me because I didn't want to do it anyway. So when I'd walk in there and see that there wasn't any money in the checkbook, I'd go, <laughs> that's funny. God would say, pray, and I'd say, ah, fill it up. But it never, I was never afraid of failure. I don't want to do it. I didn't, this is not my, he didn't ask, I didn't, this is not my church. I didn't start it. So when I'm laying in the hospital in Texas and they say you're almost dead, oh, I'm not afraid at all. I'm just going home. If I live, I'm going to preach. If I die, I'm going to heaven. So where's my Bible? I'll just lay here and pray in tongues and get better and come back to church and be back here Wednesday preaching. You see, I'm not, I'm not, that's, that's what faith is. Because you learned it in the little things. You don't learn it when you get cancer. You learn it in the little things in life. When you're facing the little things and you do them, even though you're afraid, you start conquering that fear that's trying to well up against you and you're acting in faith and that's what's building your faith. Does that help y'all? That's why Jesus took Peter back out in the boat. See, why did he keep sticking them out in a boat when it's raining and, and windy and, and, and they're afraid and then he's going, guys, you're in a boat. And they're going, but we're afraid. And he goes, well, let's watch this one. He gets out of it. And they're going, uh-uh. He goes, guys, your security's not the boat, it's me. If I'm in the boat, you're fine. Are y'all getting this? So a person who's, who lives not afraid is a person who's living just trusting God. That's all. Whatever God said, that's what he's going to do. And so you don't sit around and worry about things that cause other people to be afraid. So the economy goes up and down. Well, it's always going up and down. Did he say, I will meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory? Did he say it? Well, then quit being afraid of the money. Quit being afraid of if you own a business, not making a sale. Stop being afraid. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, you ain't going to do nothing. You're not God. You're going to get up in the morning and go, thank you, Heavenly Father. I'm blessed coming in. Thank you. I'm blessed going out. Abraham's blessings are mine. You meet all of my needs. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's faith. Well, whether, whether your business does good that way, well, then just close the books. If you can't handle the books being low, then just close the things. You know what I do whenever, whenever things don't go right here in church? I, I, I actually have two churches. I don't know if y'all know that. I have secretly been pastoring a second church all these years that you guys have no idea about. 
It's the church inside me. And everybody in that church is nice. And they all tithe. And they're all wonderful. Are y'all getting this? Faith is the substance of what you hope for. So, so vision is powerful. If you see yourself dying, that creates fear. But if I see myself preaching to 500 people, and yet when I open my eyes, ain't nobody in the building, I just close my eyes and go back to preaching to a building full of people. Hallelujah. Everybody's tithing. Everybody's saying Amen. That's actually all faith is. It's the ability to see what you can't see. If you can't see what you can't see, you'll never see it. We walk by faith and not by sight. So it's being able to see. I don't see myself dead. I don't lay around and see myself dead. I don't even see myself old. Lisa and I said this. It keeps making Lisa mad. It makes her mad every time I say it. But I have a hard time going to seniors. They're all a bunch of old folks. And Lisa goes, you're the same age as all of them. <laughs> well, they're not really all old, old folks. They're really not. But, you know, I just, I really, I, I'm really almost childish. I just don't. I go to, I go to the gym and I tell all the guys, I said, I've been over here on the old geezer section. And everybody over there is old, including me. <laughs> but I try to help them old folks out. <laughs> it has a lot to do with how you think, doesn't it? It has everything to do with how you think. Okay, anyway, I think we're about done. I want to show you one more scripture. Are you all okay? First John, I got five minutes to do this. First John chapter 4. I told you this would be fun. I didn't make another mistake, did I? Just two. This is one that helped me out enormously. And boy, I could be a long time on this. 417, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, and, and, I've heard, and I, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves torment. I said this before, and it bears repeating. I used to read that and think that this is what it meant. If I ever got my love walk, I'd be, I wouldn't have any fear. And in, and in 40 years of being a Christian, I never could get my love walk where it needed to be. And so I was always afraid. And then one day, the Lord showed me that's not what that scripture means. God's perfect love for me drives out fear. If he loves me as he loves Jesus, I have no reason to be afraid. And I went, wait a minute. I could actually be happy all the time. Because if he loves me unconditionally, it's not me being good one day and bad the next, doing something stupid. Because how many of you know you're always going to do something stupid. Yes. Yes. 
You know, the problem with me is I do it stupid public. And they put it on tape. Gene's got to get it off. At least when you keep your mouth shut, nobody knows you did anything stupid. But you know what? The, we, all, we all strive for perfection, and we think if we just don't do anything, we won't fail. But you failed already. But we all do things that we're like, ah, oh, but that doesn't change what God thinks. So if his love is perfect, then that drives the fear out of me. Joyce Myers made a statement. She said, God told me to set my ministry aside one year, even though she preached, and let me love you. Meditate on my love for you. She said it drove all of the fear out of me. Not, not my love for God, but his love for me. And then if we meditate on that, it gets rid of fear. Well, what happens if I lose this church? Well, I'll start a job. I'll start a business. Well, if you lose that. See, all of these things, what if, what if, what if, what if? And you're afraid to do anything. You're afraid of failing. Here, here's another big one. Are you all ready? What are people going to think? I'm going to help you with that. All old people can help you with that. I got to get it right. When you're young, you don't care what people think. When you're middle age, you worry about what everybody thinks. And when you hit your senior years, you realize ain't nobody ever thought about you anyway. I'm going to tell you some advice I gave Lisa right when she says, honey, I want to, the Lord's helping me to preach. And I said, here's how, what you do. This is how you walk up in front of people. You don't drive down the road and see someone broke down on the side of the road. Let's say a friend of yours, let's say I stop and Brian's got a flat tire and I see Brian, I pull off and I say, Brian, you need help. I don't sit there and think, now I'm going to look stupid because I don't know nothing about changing no tire. You don't think like that, do you? You just think I'm going to help Brian. When you get up in front of people, don't think about how you look. Think about them. They, I know something that will help you. And then you don't care what they think because your motive was to help them anyway. And then that gets rid of the fear of what people think. Because really, it don't matter what they think. I'm going to give you all another one. If you don't like you, nobody else is going to. So you got to at least have some confidence in yourself. If you do, what's it matter what they think? Because there's always going to be somebody that don't like you or who thinks bad of you. Well, they think this. Well, I got one more. Isaiah 41.10. Put it in the Amplified and we'll close. If you can do that for me. I don't know if you can. Take this scripture and begin to meditate on it this week. And you'll start. The, the one in 1 John is powerful. If I was you, I would just mark that and start reading it and just meditate on how much he loves you. But listen to this. Verse 10. Fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. Do not be afraid. Now this is amplified. Fear not. There is nothing to fear for I am with you. 
Don't look around you in terror and be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. I will help you. Yes, I'll hold you up. I will retain you with my victorious right hand of righteousness and judgment. Now, you have no idea how many times I have read that in a hard day. I mean, I'll be going through a bad, I'll go, okay. You said there's, fear not, God I refuse to be fear. I don't have time. I'll run out of time. But I remembered coming home from work. There's no food in the refrigerator. And it's raining. And, it, and I can't work if it's raining. And I'm thinking, I don't have any money. And I'm not going to be getting any money. And fear try to get you. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I will tell you what I learned to do. Read this. And sit and sing. You say, what'd that do? I don't know, but I never went hungry. How did he do it? I, I, guys, listen to me. I can take my paycheck and show you that I didn't have enough money for rent, car, gas, and food. I can show you on paper that I have nothing to eat. But I always had something to eat. How did he do it? I don't know. But I learned to sing. Just sit down and sing, worship God, think good thoughts, pray in the Holy Ghost, go to church, love Jesus, quit whining about you ain't got nothing, you're dying of starvation. And now my wife looks at me and goes, I don't think you need to worry about that for about 30 days, honey. Never mind, y'all didn't get it. <laughs> she says, you have excess No. <laughs> Listen, Lisa's a really sweet girl most of the time. Well, sometimes she says, I'll tell you the truth, and the truth may make you mad, but you don't need to worry about dinner tonight, baby. You look like you're doing real good. Thank you. I may need it. I'll tell you what. She, she's already learned that I'm not leaving my bed. I never leave my bed. She locks me out. I just pick the lock and come to bed. I ain't not left. I don't sleep in the living room. This could be a good marriage night right here. I'm going to tell you what. I sleep in my bed. She asked me one night. She says, you can't sleep? And I said, no. She said, why don't you go in the other room? I said, why don't you? I'm the one having a hard time sleeping. I need this bed. She says, well, you're keeping me awake. And I said, well, go to the living room. <laughs> and I just kiss her, and then I just go to sleep. Amen. Amen. Say, God hasn't, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. I am going to learn to live fear-free while I'm this side of heaven. And I thank you, Father God, that's possible. In Jesus' name. name. Now, you know, one night we'll get in here and talk about something else that maybe we need to talk about. You know, there's a lot of people put expectations on you, and they're unrealistic. Did you know that not everybody in this room is called to do the same thing? And, and, And yet, that's another fear people are afraid of. Well, what will they think? Well, you know, I tell people all the time, they come up and say, why don't you do this? I go, I don't know how. 
I, I don't do that. I don't know how to do it. I, God didn't wire me to do it, so I don't do it. So they asked me about technology. I said, well, go ask Justin. He knows how to do it. I don't know how to do it. But, you know, you got to get over being afraid of what people think of you. Because every one of us in this room, we lack something. And you don't need to apologize for it. So if they ask you and you go, nah, wrong department. Find someone else. Well, that's so freeing. Because you want to impress people? You want to do everything well? Well, you're not going to. You ever notice that they don't ever ask me to sing? Have you ever noticed? <laughs> They've never asked me to sing. I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> Father God, thank you for this evening. We've had fun in the house of God tonight. Father, I love the Word of God, and I pray that right now, you know, these scriptures have helped me so much, and just bearing my heart with them tonight and showing the things that I've gone through in life, and we all do. We go through stuff. We go through things that, that scare us and try to stop us. And Father, I don't know where everybody is in the room tonight, but I'm sure that every one of us have dealt or are going to deal with some form of fear. But I pray, Father God, that we'll just face it and learn to deal with it, and grow out of it and outgrow it and just trust you to preserve us and take care of us. And that's really what it's all about, isn't it? And I give you praise and honor, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.